Who's going to win the Kentucky Derby? Our expert panel breaks down the race and comes up with a winner. Plus, it's been a long time since jockey Gabriel Saez basked in the spotlight on the first weekend of May. Crowd spell drawing away to romp home in Kentucky Oaks, number 134 by five. That was back in 2008. We'll talk with the 31-year-old from Panama about his chances with By My Standards on the Derby Eve edition of In the Gate. They're in the gates. They're about to move in. They roll side. And they're off. As they move to the top of the stretch, it's a hit-bumping finish. This is In The Gate, ESPN's Thoroughbred Racing Podcast. My name is Barry Abrams. You can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. You can also get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well. Get us at the iTunes Store or TuneIn.com. You can get us on that little pink podcatcher app on your phone you didn't even know you had. And now you can subscribe to In The Gate in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. Unless you're John Velasquez, Javier Castellano, or the Ortiz brothers, riding in the Kentucky Derby every year is not a guarantee. For Gabriel Saez, it's been 10 years since he last competed in the run for the Roses, finishing 18th aboard Frisian Fire in 2009. Saez will ride in the race for the third time in his career, this time aboard a late developer who announced his presence in his most recent start. As they come for home with under a quarter of a mile to go. And it's Spinoff who's taken a short lead from a battling By My Standards. Sueno, then Country House. It's Spinoff and By My Standards for Gabriel Saez. It's By My Standards and Spinoff. By My Standards at 22 to 1 to win the Louisiana Derby. By My Standards was 22 to 1 when he took the Louisiana Derby. To get an idea of how he's coming into the big one, we welcome in here to win the gate his jockey, Gabriel Saez, for the first time. I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse to be called the wise guy horse, but by my standards is getting a lot of buzz amongst people at Churchill Downs. What have you seen from him in his gallops in the last couple of weeks? I mean, to be honest with you, man, he's, um, he's doing really well. He's handled the surface, and you know, I've been really happy about it, you know. And, uh, so he seems like he's enjoying it. So hopefully, you know, it comes like that for the race. We get to put a good performance out there, you know. What makes you happy about what you've seen? I mean, the way he's doing he's handled the track, and, the, you know, the constable he's been doing, and the constable he's been working. I mean, he. Absolutely, I don't even show the whole lot from the last race, you know, and, it, and, it, and that's what we were trying to do with him, you know. Yeah, so I'm really pleased for him. You know, like I say, I'm not going to be predicting any concerns stuff that I'm supposed to say, but we're getting ready day by day. Now, you've ridden by my standards in all five starts. He scored a win in his fourth start, but the Louisiana Derby was a huge jump up in performance. How concerned are you that he's due for a bounce off that big effort? I mean, he's like I was just telling you, buddy. He's doing good, and he's done. He had done come along from when they broke his maiden, you know, and the jump up and run a huge race in Louisiana Derby. That was really impressive, you know. And uh, I just really happy with him, you know. We'll see what happens. Now, you had the choice of two horses to ride in the Louisiana Derby, both owned and trained by the same connections. 
You opted not to ride Mr. Money, who'd finished fourth in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, and instead chose By My Standards, who had just scored his first career win. What made you choose By My Standards? You know, I was uh, I was a uh, kind of hard decision to make. You know, it kind of took me a while. You know, work both the horses and kind of choose choose the the one I needed to choose. It was kind of hard for me a little bit, and it, you know, kind of went for every week and you know think about it. You know, working in both, and it, uh, I just when I was started working by my standard, and he was doing it like you know, he it was like getting better each time. And I was like, wow, man, it's going to get a transition because Mr. Money, you know, I was just, you know, ruining the British Cup and finished for it. And I was my first opportunity to ride the British Cup back in a while. And it, uh, so I was I was really happy with Mr. Money. But at the same time, by my standard, it was doing tremendously well, too. And I was like, well, you know, I'm going to have to, I'm gonna have to make a decision here, you know, and uh I just, that last minute, I went and let up and shoot by my standard. You know, I went and, and sit down with my agent and talk about it, you know, and his number, you know, and, and his working wise, it was impressive each time. And, and so I just went and chose him. I guess I chose the right one, you know. So it was good. It was, you know, I was, and I've been pleased with him. I've been really happy with him since then. So, you know, fingers crossed, you know, I just hoping for a good performance on Saturday, you know. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, you know. We're chatting with jockey Gabriel Saez here on In the Gate. He'll be riding by my standards in the Kentucky Derby. Now, you talked about the phrase, not in a while. This will be your third Derby start. Frisian Fire was your second one, but it was the first time you ran the Derby. That's the most memorable. Just missing the win, but of course it's what happened after the wire that's been discussed ever since. Big Brown is opened up now by three. The game Philly eight bells trying to run him down the final furlong. Big Brown and kept the solo by four legs. The game Philly second on the inside eight bells. But Big Brown, Big Brown is a superstar. He'll win the Kentucky Derby. Big Brown wins by five. Eight bells ran second. You know, there's no doubt that Big Brown's performance in the Derby was a commanding one. Unfortunately, the brilliance of that display was eclipsed by the horror that unfolded after the race. For those associated with Eight Bells, their heartache won't be subsiding anytime soon. What was it like going from almost winning the race to Eight Bells breaking both legs right after the finish line? I know, right? That was, that was, that's a long story. First of all, I was kind of young back then, you know. Everything was like a dream for a minute, and it, uh, when that happened, I said, "Why?" I was like, "Wow, you know, I realized right away what really was." And that, uh, well, you know, a bells is something to never forget. And thanks to that, you know, people know me. And that, uh, you know, it's just sad. It happens. What it happens after the after the race, but uh, you know, I don't really have too much to say about that. You know, I just don't really want to bring it up. According to Equibase, before the Louisiana Derby, your last graded stakes win was seven years ago in the Grade 3 Louisville Handicap. How hard has it been to get back to this point where you're riding a top stakes horse? I know. It was a lot that I needed to go through, you know. I went and moved around for a while and then just kind of... It was up and downs, 
for many years and it, uh, you know, I stick around, I stick around and, you know, work hard every day and, and, and never give up, you know, and, uh, and I finally got an opportunity, but, you know, it was a day, day, a day dedication and just working and selling up the horses and, you know, and, uh, three years ago that, uh, moved back here in Kentucky and, uh, decided to just kind of stay down here and work and work, you know, and work down here in this circle and that, uh, it's been a lot of work that I don't put to it, you know, and, and, you know, I just thank God and I got to have the opportunity again. What do you think were the reasons why it was such a long time between stakes wins? Because, I mean, I was a lot, like I tell you, a lot of up and downs, a lot of, you know, personal problems too, and that uh, I just needed that opportunity again, you know, and a lot of people... I guess they don't want to use me, you know, for a while. And, it, uh, you know, they finally want to come back around. And I got to get the opportunity again, you know, thanks for every day for it, you know. And, uh, and it's another opportunity that I'm going to get. Take advantage every single word, you know. I just here. I just really thank God, I thank God for, for the opportunity again. And we we'll see what we can do. And hopefully it's another win. Because of that, trying to reestablish yourself as a jockey worthy of getting stakes-level mounts, how important is this ride on By My Standards? To me, it's just one, you know, one of the kind of opportunities. And, um, uh, like I just told you, know, I, want, I, want, I want to take advantage every single of it. I'm just really thankful for it, you know, really thankful for it. You know, I'm looking forward for a good performance, you know, try my best again, you know, and, and build that confidence back again in the people, you know, see what happens. Well, we certainly wish you the best of luck in the Kentucky Derby, and thank you so much for a few minutes, Mr. Saez. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity, and uh, I really appreciate you coming in there. You heard Mr. Saez earlier refer to personal problems. What he might be referring to is that in May of 2011, he was arrested on a domestic incident charge in Newcastle, Delaware, not far from Delaware Park, and charged with offensive touching. He was released later that day on a $100 unsecured bond, and a police department spokesperson said that Saez was not to have any further contact with the alleged victim who was not identified. We're going to take a short break here on In the Gate, but when we come back, it's time to break down the Kentucky Derby and figure out who's going to win the 145th edition. We'll do that with an expert panel when we come back. Security proves he's the real deal with a gate-to-wire win in the Florida Derby. And Roadster gets up to win the Santa Anita Derby. Now it's game winner in front, and game winner, a champion. Some of the leading contenders for the 145th run for the Roses, making their case why you should pick them to win the race. Now before we get to our discussion with Bobby Halt of Blood Horse and our own Chris Velika the Bear... We should point out that we originally posted this podcast about one hour before it was announced that Omaha Beach, the favorite, had scratched. Omaha Beach has a slight breathing problem that will require minor surgery, not life-threatening, not career-threatening, but won't be able to run in the race. The references to Omaha Beach have been removed. The discussion still very much stands. So here is our breakdown of the Kentucky Derby with Bobby Halt and Chris Balika. Let us start with Chris. It is a rite of spring every year that you hear experts and analysts say, 
It is a wide open Kentucky Derby. <laughs> I'm guessing you're on my wavelength that this is not really a wide open Kentucky Derby. Yes and no. I think it's a wide open Derby from, I think there are probably five or six horses that could win. Uh, I don't think any of the real, I, I don't think we're going to see him, a, a Giacomo mind that bird type 40, 30, 50 to one shot, long shot bomber. But I, I think, but I think Baffert's three horses all have great shots. Taker, leave Tacitus. I'm not necessarily on board with him, but I do think he can win. And I, and I think Code of Honor is the, uh, the longest price of the horses that I think has a legit chance of winning. Where's your first flight? end bob you heard chris where does the first flight of horses for you end well i think one of the key questions is going to come in on what the weather turns out to be if we continue this streak of uh, rain uh throughout the week and we get a wet track i'm sure judmont wishes somehow hidden scroll had been in the mix but it, i think if you get a wet track it might change things and then you take a horse like that many people may not even consider like uh plus quay parfait who won the UAE Derby, but has a real big effort on a wet track at Churchill Downs. So I agree with Chris. I think there's a limited number of horses who can win the race unless it turns muddy, and then you may have to really start digging into pedigrees, see how a horse responds to the track, and you might you might get a bit of an upset through that. But to me, that would be, I would agree, the rain would be the only thing that might really cause some of these longer shots among the, among the horses uh, Chris mentioned. To be there, I might also throw in tax. I think tax is a pretty good racehorse who could sneak into your exact, uh, into your triple or super factor. I'm glad you mentioned Pluquet Parfait because while we all know how the UAE Derby winner has not run well here at all, I think this could be a different type year. Because, Are you kidding me? Well, no, 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 no. Hear me out. The only reason I say that is because this is a U.S. based horse. Brendan Walsh sent him over over there for the race, and he's come back. And you mentioned the great, the, the good run at a big number at Churchill last year. So I think in that regard, he could be one of those longer price horses that hit the board. And even in this run of the favorites winning the last six years, three of the six years, the dollar try is paid over $1,700. So we've had big prices underneath in that span. Uh, I think it's four horses longer than 30 to 1 have cracked the trifecta the last six years. Now, here's the thing. Because of the point system the last six years, each of which won by the favorite, as you mentioned, you really don't have that speed ball anymore that runs off and sets a wickedly just uncontrollable pace. Hello, Song and a Prayer. Right. Or even Palace <laughs> Malice, for that matter, even though that wasn't his all-career running style. So, Bob, what do you think the pace becomes? I think it's going to be a lively pace. I mean, let's, let's look at this situation realistically. The key figure in the pace is maximum security. You're Gary West. You own maximum security that you put in a $16,000 maiden claimer to start his career, probably has physical issues, longevity of his career, who knows. And you also own a two-year-old champion. Who would be worth how many millions of dollars if he can also win the Kentucky Derby? I really think... Maximum security, he's not going to be a rabbit, but I also don't think that he's going to go out and try and just slow down the pace. You have the situation with War of Will, as now says, because they have the rail, they've got to go to the front. Uh, you've got other horses in the race, like Pacoma. Omaha Beach wants to be up there near the lead. I'm pretty sure the presence of maximum security is going to ensure a pretty lively pace to help the closers 
So I don't think there's, like we say, I don't know if there's anybody in this field who one day we might see winning sprint graded sprint stakes like the old days, as you mentioned, of Groovy and those type of horses. But I do think it will be a very honest pace. So I'm not throwing out the horses who are going to have to try to close into it. I, I couldn't agree more. I think the post draw uh, on Tuesday really guaranteed that this pace is going to be faster than I think a lot of people thought it would be because I think some might have projected that maximum security would be kind of alone on the lead and maybe he could get uh, a soft lead like he did at Gulfstream and winning the Florida Derby. But like you said, Warrowell drew the lead. He, he's got no choice but really but to go. Tax is going to be near the front. Uh, Gray Magician, uh, Peter Millersworth, I think, will show speed. Uh, Vacoma is kind of near the front. of the, And then you got maximum security. So all to the inside of Omaha Beach, you've got all that speed. And I think the question then becomes – does spinoff maybe send from the far outside Geralt's he's going to be in, in the parking lot around the first turn. He's a horse that showed speed looked like he was home in the Louisiana Derby before he got caught by, by my standards at fairgrounds. And really spinoff is the only pace threat from the outside. But, but I, I love your point about game winner and maximum security with, with the West. And, and it would kind of be a little bit of good karma uh, for the West after having uh, restoring her hope kind of service that lead blocker slash bodyguard in the Belmont last year. If he, uh, if he can actually win the, uh, the Derby for Baffert this year, I can't believe there was really much controversy surrounding that at all. I mean, that happens all Correct. the time. Exactly. That's why uh, uncoupled entry. Bobby Hall, Chris Felica joining us here on Handicapping the Derby here on In the Gate. Now, you talked about spinoff for Todd Pletcher. A long shot, probably not seriously considered for the win. But what about Todd Pletcher's other horse, Cutting Humor? You can overlook Todd Pletcher and a horse that set a track record, albeit at not a premier track, Sunland Park. You can overlook that all you want. But coming from a decent post, a horse that's got six weeks of rest and coming off a track record there i don't know i not to win but underneath I, I don't know he was well beaten by pluque parfait at keeneland as a two-year-old uh well beaten by long-range toddy at oaklawn and yeah he did get that win and sure cory lannery is very familiar with the uh the churchill service but i i just think he's a uh a cut below here i, I have a hard time making a case for him to crack the track are there any long shots that you would consider here bob well, you know, if you want to get really crazy in terms of that, I mean, with this field, you, you do have the collection of some of the horses at 6 and 10 to 1. Uh, the one who that I've looked at, the uh, especially looking at the raggers and numbers, uh, the one that I thought was intriguing at the price is Gray Magician at, at 50 to 1. Uh, his numbers, the thing with looking at this particular field, nobody stands out to you like, wow, this horse is head and shoulders above. I mean, you have to remember, as good as Omaha Beach is, he's won his two races this year by a, by a combined margin of a length and about an inch. He's not dominant over these horses. The one that uh, I'm not sure if his profile fits this race because he does have early speed and probably is going to get burned up. But he's certainly, like, if, if you're looking for somebody to just throw kind of in the bottom of your superfecta, he might be the one. I don't, I don't see him winning... But I, I think in a race like this, you're going to get a little crazy with some of the bottom ends of your exotics. That would be the one, and especially at 50 to 1. I was surprised how he was relatively close to some of the top horses in terms of overall uh, speed figures. It is interesting to look back at his uh, Great Magician's PPs and you discover that he was he was 7-2 versus Improbable as a in maiden race last year at Santa Anita. And he showed a different bit of a closing-type dimension uh, in the UAE Derby, so it'll be curious to see if he 
goes that route again. I thought maybe Country House might be an interesting closer to uh, to maybe crack the Super or the try. Uh, I know Flavian Proud has only ridden the Derby twice, but both times he outran his odds big time. He split the field last year with Solomini and then finished third with Battle of Midway. Uh, a few years back at 40 to 1. And I don't think the far outside post is really going to affect him because he's going to drop all the way back and make one big run. And I think he's a horse whether he can get to third or fourth from, from out there and pass all those tiring horses late. But you're going to see, I think, uh, Pratt and Country House can fly down the center of the uh, center of the wet track late. But you guys both know that the winner of the Derby makes the move on the final turn. You rarely see a nose and nose battle down the stretch. If the track is wet, can you make that move? Can Country House, can High Call make that move on the turn? Well, we saw Orb come from down the center of the track in the off track uh, when he won in 2013. But that being said, I think if we think back to the other previous instances, at least that I can remember, I mean, Bob might be able to add to it. You, you think of Mind That Bird, you think of Super Saver, you think of Always Dreaming. All three of those horses either rode the rode the rail or an inside trip uh, on that wet surface. So, so you got a point there. I think I think somebody can close. I mean, it, again, it, it's just going to be it's going to be a result of what type of pace do we get? I mean, if it turns out to be a very slow pace, you won't. And, and, and let me say this: I, I think the one one of the key parts in we, we focus a lot on picking the winner of the Derby. Sometimes, you keep in mind, it's not picking the winner that really puts a lot of cash in your pocket. It's picking that horse who kind of clunks up there, gets second or third, kind of like that year with California Chrome. Everybody, a lot of people picked him. He won commanding curve finish, came on to finish second at 37 to 1. and Golden uh, Soul. Yeah, like a $340 exacta. So as much as we might be, you might focus on can a horse close and win the race, you know, maybe the speed might hold up, but that still doesn't mean I think you ignore some of these closers because in most cases with, with the field this large, you're going to play those exotics, and, and they might be, one of them might be able to get into that, one of those exotics, and really kind of inflate it for you. Please don't tell me Master Fencer is that horse. Uh, I, I will not tell you that. I don't know, maybe Bob might, but I won't. No, let me let me say this. I mean, especially having been in Japan last year, I will say this: the Japanese horses are. If there's a race they're suited for. It's the Belmont Stakes. The tracks are very sandy, just like Belmont. Uh, Tokyo Racecourse is a mile and a half oval, which is like Belmont Park. They're not very fast on the on the dirt. They're more stamina than speed. So I, I don't see the Japanese horse being much of a player here. Maybe maybe the Belmont, if everybody's tired, he might be a factor, kind of like what Lonnie did. But, yeah, I don't think the, the Japanese horse is more than a, uh, a curiosity in this race. All right, so let's finish by putting the cards on the table here. If you have to make an exacta bet for our audience, what are you advising them to do? Let's start with the bear. I'm going to hedge it somewhat, but I'll, I'll narrow it down to the plays that I'm going to give in my, uh, my column for ESPN Chalk. I am confident that either improbable or game winner will hit the exacta. So I'm going to key improbable and game winner in one spot, and then I'm going to play by my standard in the other spot. I'm going to use uh, Tacitus in the other spot. I'm going to use Pluque Parfait in the other spot. I'm going to use Code of Honor in the other spot. I'm going to use Win 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 in the other spot. I'll use Roadster in the other spot, and I'll use uh, Country House in the other spot. So only two horses on top. So I'm going to use two horses in one spot, uh, improbable and in, in, in game winner for a dollar, and then I'll flip it the other way as well and use those horses 
with uh, improbable and uh, game winner second. So that, that, that's the exacta that I'm going to uh, look at, and I'll play those two horses, and I'll put a little bit on Code of Honor as well, uh, win place, and then I'll play a couple of the other the, the longer prices that we talked about, uh, maybe a Country House or a By My Standards or a Pluquet Parfait or Win Win Win. Uh, I'll put maybe some place money, some show money if they hit the board at thirty to one or so. Make a little something back. How about you, Bob? My my number one pick is Game Winner. I think the two races have set him up. He's a two year old champion. Generally, when a two year old champion is able to maintain his form atop the division or close to the top, he runs a big race in the uh, in the Kentucky Derby. We saw that in the last few years with Good Magic, who was second, Nyquist at American Pharaoh, who won. I really believe he has a race over Churchill. I think he's going to be there. My second choice is is going to be Code of Honor. I think he was hurt by the pace. I think he was hurt by the pace in the Florida Derby. He couldn't close. No one was closing that day. I don't think Shug would be here with this horse if he didn't think the horse could win. He's got a brilliant workout for the race. I, I think I would probably box those and then probably key game winner with some of the other some of the long longer shots in the race, just depending on on how the uh, betting goes. So depending on the value with the, either Code of Honor or game winner, I'll probably focus on the, those two like Chris said, with six or seven other long shots underneath them. I think it's interesting to note with Code of Honor, by the way, if it runs game winner Code of Honor, you're going to have at least two very happy gentlemen right here, I'm sure. It's interesting with Code of Honor that he was that beaten favorite, didn't show up in that first race, the Mucho Macho Man, four to five, up the, up the track, finished fourth, came back at nearly 10 to one, won the Fountain of Youth, and then was completely compromised by the bias as a short price in the Florida Derby, wasn't going to get him to maximum security, and now you're going to get a great price on him here. So uh, I, I think price-wise, you're, I think he might be a little bit of a forgotten horse in this race, and I think that bodes well if you do like Code of Honor. I do like two things about Improbable. I wonder if the dam side breeding with AP Indy under there, that might provide some of that stamina and couple that with the speed on, on the Cyrus side might be a good combo. And I really like the fact that Bob put blinkers on him in the, in the Arkansas Derby and maybe to kind of sharpen him up a little bit. And now they come off. It reminds me a lot of Palace Malice, who we referred to before. Why Todd Pletcher put Blinkers on him in the Derby is still beyond me, but I was very happy to have him at 13 or 14 to 1 in the Belmont five weeks later when they came off. So I, I think it sets up the same kind of way. I don't know if Improbable is going to be as close to the lead as he has been. It's interesting, too. If you look at post position number five, I mean, you can take all the, the PP stats you want, but you look at last seven years or so, you've got a couple of wins, I think three third-place finishes. More often than not, you're able to work out a pretty good trip from that spot, and I... uh I would think that Arad would be able to do that from there. How quickly they forget well, that last year Justify had Sprinter from Dad and Stamina from Mom, and he did okay. I'll go out on a limb and say he did okay. <laughs> he was all right. One interesting thing, with impro- if Improbable does win the Kentucky Derby, it's going to be an interesting uh, get-together at the next uh, Ortiz family dinner because uh, Jose, who was on him in the Arkansas race, is taking off to ride Tacitus. And his brother Irad's getting on him, so uh, that, that's going to be an interesting turn of events. <laughs> if, if Chris is indeed right with him, I would like to have a camera at the next family dinner. It there, should be a, an interesting little discourse. There are all kinds of levels of drama surrounding this 145th run for the Roses. You've got me all fired up. Saturday at 6:30, can't come here fast enough, gentlemen. Thank you so so much for doing this. You're welcome. Pleasure to be with you. 
Our thanks once again to Chris Belica, Bobby Halt, and Gabriel Saez. It's been 10 years since a cult that cost just $9,500, owned and trained by cowboys from off the beaten path, shook the racing world by winning the Derby at 50 to 1 and making spectators do higher level math. Mind that bird would not have qualified under the current points system based on where you finish in designated Derby preps. Back then it was earnings in graded stakes and Mind that bird had enough then won by hugging the rail with all of his steps. Since 2013, the points system has winnowed down the field to where most in the race have shown that they belong. And sure enough, the favorites won the race in all six years, and this year's leading contenders all look strong. But don't you secretly wish for an upset the likes of Mind That Bird, especially a Horatio Alger tale, like the one that unfolded in just two minutes ten short years ago, or are the points making that idea seem stale? You can get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well. Get us at the iTunes Store or TuneIn.com. You can get us on that little pink podcatcher app on your phone you didn't even know you had. And now you can subscribe to In The Gate in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. And you can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. That's In The Gate for this week. I'm Barry Abrams. Enjoy the Kentucky Derby.